you are entitled to any animus that's directed against you. Uh, you have no good purpose in any of the things you're doing other than to muck rake around and everybody knows it. <laughs> wow. And I can't find a seconder usually when I propose this, but I don't care. I don't need a seconder. My own opinion is enough for me, and I claim the right to have it defended against any consensus, any majority, anywhere, any place, any time. And anyone who disagrees with this can pick a number, get online, and kiss my ass. First things first, Alabama State Bar Rules of Professional Conduct, Rule 7.2e, requires the following language in all attorney communications. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of legal services performed by other lawyers. My name's Harry Steele, Backwood Southern Lawyer. My buddy Paul Rip is here with me today. Say hello, Paul. All right, here for Rip Report in Baldwin County Legal Eagle. And uh, Reigns is joining us, uh, all wrapped up in the drama of... Uh, uh, impeachment gate. What we're we're waiting on a voice vote on what reigns? Well, I don't know because I think what's going to happen is that um, Schumer's going to introduce an amendment to the call for witnesses, and he's going to specify witnesses instead of asking for the uh, the full vote to be called, which he can do. And I think Robert's requesting review on that, and that's why I'm in there right now. So. Um, I think there's some tea. Uh, of course, it'll be going on while we're doing our podcast. But Your audio <coughs> sounds like S-H-I blank, just so you know. Um, all right, so I wanted to talk a little bit about when we, uh, while we're getting started about, uh, so lawyers, not all lawyers sit around and think about stealing lollipops from babies some of us actually pondered legal concepts and one of the things i've been thinking a lot about uh lately is the concept of liberty under the constitution and how it is the ultimate protection for the individual liberty is the right to exercise the rights enumerated under the constitution are available under natural law the due process clause of the 14th amendment declares that no state shall deprive a person of life liberty or property without due process so here's my perspective um i it, it's my opinion that um the department of commerce uh in here in the state of alabama along with potentially your local government um have been involved in, in in the exclusion of other industrial or manufacturing uh, suppliers um, locating in their labor shed. So I don't know if you've ever thought of your own labor market or the ability to control it as your liberty, but trust me, if uh, 10 years or 20 years ago you had a lawn care business in Baldwin County, you've probably been put out of business by people who aren't, even here legally so uh and and just uh go ask anybody in detroit uh what, what nafta and uh and some of these other uh trade agreements have have done for their city um the reason i, I i'm kind of running around on this concept is um last week paul and i were talking about airbus locating here 
And um, I asked him how many tier one, tier two, or tier three suppliers for Airbus were located in Baldwin County. He couldn't name any, uh, nor are there any in, uh, in any of the other neighboring counties because when a big boy like Airbus comes to play, they get to be the shot caller as to where their tier one, tier two, and tier three suppliers locate. And if you've ever seen a bullseye around Mobile, um, you can just imagine a 100-mile radius. You will not find anybody that's supplying anything to them inside of that radius unless it's somebody that was already there and they're doing something very ancillary. ancillary like uh, I know that they may be getting some parts tooled and sent over there uh, from the uh, outfit down here at the Foley um, Airport, the old BF Good Ranch. But uh, for the most part, um, they get to be the shot callers. Um, of course, they also get a huge tax incentive to locate here, right, Paul? Correct. And then they get and, – and just imagine what Mobile would be like if all of Airbus suppliers were located right here in a close distance. Um, so – just something to think about, something to talk to, uh, you know, typically a lot of people don't know what to talk to their uh, state representatives about when they uh, meet them and they're asking them for their vote. Ask them about that and your ability to control the labor market in your own area. All right, Paul, I want to go back to our letter. All right. The, the, about the two-year college system. Right. Uh, Coastal Alabama Community College. Um, we received an anonymous letter, well, actually two of them. Paul detailed uh, some. On, uh, uh, I guess this is our third time back to this uh, uh, January 2nd letter. It's on our Facebook page. And in particular, I'm going to be concerned with um, page three, paragraph two. And the question is posed, what has happened to our college's money? How is it being spent by the chancellor? If the chancellor and Dr. Pouncey are claiming lack of funds as the reason for the as for reason for eliminating division chair and other employee supplements, particularly claiming faculty overloads and cutting back on the funding for student services, what is the justification for advertising 10 upper level administrative positions, 16 position four uh, director positions? And five newly created, remember how I told you they fired the girl because she wasn't doing her job right. and they hired five people to replace her? Five people in the personnel department. So, uh, and all these new, all these new positions uh, add up to a million dollars in expenditures every year. So back before, uh, if I don't know, I, I would hate to think that Dr. Branch was forced out, but I thought that he was going to oversee uh uh, I thought he was going to be here for a lot longer than he was, and it looks like he got rolled up in, in this investigation stuff. But um, the article goes on, or the not the article, the letter goes on to say that um, right before his exodus, um, Dr. Branch was touting the millions of dollars that we had in savings because of his expert uh, tutelage of the money. All right, Paul. All right. You're up, buddy. <clears throat> All right, the RIP report. Your court of public opinion, nonprofit, uh, on that uh, on Harry's letter that he just wrote. Whoever sent us that anonymous letter, if you want to update that, be sure and send it to us. We'd like to see it. Um, first thing up is uh, Alabama Family Rights Association. Uh, those of you that may be contemplating a divorce or in a divorce procedures and 
whatnot, which is a nightmare in itself, much less in uh, Baldwin County. Uh, ALFRA, which is Alabama Family Rights Association, uh, their primary goal is to educate the public and government officials concerning the importance of equal involvement of both fit parents in a child's life. Alpha advocates safeguarding constitutional rights of children, parents, and supports a change to the 1852 Alabama custody, uh, child custody law, which creditably scientific research indicates places a negative impact on children and society. All children have a fundamental right to each fit parent, regardless of the parent's marital status. Those of you that have been involved here in family court in Baldwin County uh, know how traumatic it can be just the experience of the court. The mission of the Alabama Family Rights Association is to change the current child custody laws in Alabama to safeguard children from ensuring that they have involvement of both parents in their life. This eliminates a, a statistical risk that are so often spoken of when children are said to be of broken homes, which they may not even be a broken home. We believe that children and their parents, by working to change current child custody laws and by educating the public concerning the negative impact on society of Alabama's current system of divorce of never married parents. The article goes on. Uh, there's an article uh, also that uh, is accompanying it by Eric, I mean, uh, Erica Thomas. And um, they mentioned that the courts in the past have forced a winner. This is very true here in Baldwin County. The courts in the past have forced a winner loser scenario, creating conflict and trauma. The winner gets the kids along with child support. The, lo the loser every other weekend visitation. Overwhelmingly, this has been proven unfavorably for the children. A new day is upon us. Acknowledging the social science data has led more judges, parents, and legal counsels to more amicable and informed approach to family law practices. And in summary, the Children's Equal Access Act, as proposed, will reduce many risk factors and protect Alabama children from being placed at risk, it will prompt biological parents to develop a parenting plan that will determine the proper, most productive, and positive way to co-parallel parenting, putting their children's needs and to grow and development in the forefront of the decision making. Now they have a um, uh, let's see here one other thing I wanted to read to you about one half of the membership uh, is women. And Alpha is not a father's rights organization. Alpha is uh, about family rights. They're a 501c3 nonprofit. And if you want to contact them, we, may, we probably would be contacting them about coming on to the show. They have a, you can visit alfra.org, alfra.org. Org. And hopefully they will be successful because uh, God knows that the family court system in Baldwin County is in desperate need of change. And all I can tell you is in 1856, I believe we were still in the time of at-fault divorce. Mm -hmm. And um, you could beat your wife with a, with a rod so long as it wasn't wider than your thumb. So I'd be surprised if this is true that we're still – and we've written – 
four constitutions since 1852. Maybe they refer back to that case. I doubt that we're. I, I doubt that we're on. That they're on solid footing with that quote. Well, anyway, it's promising. But we will vet them before yep, we have them on to correct. Them, right? And uh, but everything that they're saying here is definitely true. And uh, uh, the kids are usually, especially in Baldwin County, the kids are usually the the ones that get the raw deal. Well, just think about it. When you go to divorce court, everything you work, all your property you work for all your life, and the most important thing in your life, your children are all at stake. Right. So right. I, I think it should take as, as long as it takes to get it right. That's what I think. Um. So, Reigns, did you see that T-shirt design idea that I sent all of you? Do we have a yeah, I did. copy of that, Nick? Is it up? So, um... You know, I've been thinking about this conspiracy that Paul and I are in, and um, to you know, to prosecute violent offenders and and defend the uh, the First Amendment. And I thought maybe, uh, and of course, the back of the T-shirt will actually have our logo. I, I did this quick and dirty with clip art, but uh, I, you know, if we can get a hundred people to say they want one of these T-shirts, we'll certainly produce them, and you can have, and and uh, we'll pass them on to you for cost. I thought it was, uh, I think it's a really good idea. Well, and, I, and I think that uh, there are a lot of people that uh, w- would join our conspiracy to make sure that uh, a violent offender was prosecuted and that uh, the, the person that he, he harmed compensated. And in the meantime, let's not step all over the First Amendment. All right. Well, Mayor, Mayor Wills called you a mud raker. Maybe we ought to have a muck. But let's not muck. misquote people. It's <laughs> a muck raker muck raker which i didn't know he'd ever read a book and he knew what the hell a muck raker was i'm impressed oh that's all right they call me a gadfly i kind of like that one though <laughs> gadfly that's pretty good <laughs> all right uh next up is uh freaky friday we do a freaky friday with a rip report and a wonderful wednesday normally i don't read the one but I keep getting questions from people about Catalyst and everything. So this Freaky Friday this week was called Catalyst Central. In the last Fairhope municipal election, the RIP report supported most of the city council, even Jack Burrell. The focus of the election was to elect a new mayor. It became perfectly obvious in the three previous elections that the mayor ran the city day by day and decisions were made by a select few good old boys. Infrastructure was ignored and good old boys were rewarded. In the years past, Lynn Stacy, who has left this earth, was the major power broker for political candidates. He would brag about a hundred percent success rate. Can right. I can I tell can I say something? Yeah. Okay. So back when I was doing economic development for Gulf Shores, that's when I first first met Mr. Stacy. Mm-hmm. And he was he was this little guy and he smoked a pipe and uh, he he ran the small business. They took an old disused high school or middle school over in Mobile and they had a small business incubator in there and that's what he ran. Right. And I went to see him because we were thinking about doing one in Baldwin County. He was no titan of the political realm, I can tell you that. So just keep going. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, he he used to brag about his success rate of 100% all of the time on candidates. and you Until know, Billy Joe Underwood. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Stacy then later or earlier had partnered with Chris Elliott and Dane Haygood to form Stacy Haygood and Elliott. 
Tax, get, tax man, Texas house. Yep. And okay. guess what happened? Habe Good became mayor of Daphne, and the tax man, Chris Elliott, became the county commissioner. And now he's a state senator. Right. And when Elliott be- did become the county commissioner, uh, Stacy Haygood and Elliott had to dissolve, but not the concept, just the name. Catalyst located in Fairhope. And was to carry and Catalyst was to carry the flag of the entitled Good Old Boys. Catalyst's new major new manager was Scott Boone, the son of Fairhope Councilman Kevin Boone, who is the deep throat of the council. Catalyst's job was to obstruct Fairhope government, attack the mayor, who is not Catalyst. And Catalyst's first plan was to drive the mayor out of office before 2020. They failed, and now they faced an election that they can't tamper with the ballot. I box. keep having this. Image of Scott Boone in the in a thirteen inch kibasa. Yeah, can well, we call it something else? <laughs> call what you want to, but uh, the but the Catalyst candidates they invaded Baldwin County in the midterm elections of twenty eighteen. Catalyst is the epitome of the good old boys, self serving, self dealing candidates who are joined at the hip and loyal only to Catalyst. Now Catalyst is supported by the developers, the same developers that are raping Baldwin County as of today. And they're the power brokers, always in the shadows, making self-serving deals under the table. Catalyst was not successful in electing their block candidates of 2018. Social media. Probate judge didn't win. Their probate judge candidate didn't win. And and Tucker Dorsey didn't win. Correct. Hallelujah. And most of that was from social media alerting the general public, and the voters responded. Some Catalyst candidates were elected, but uh, many lost. Uh, And um, don't make the mistake, though, of thinking that Catalyst is weak. They are dangerous. They got representatives in the district attorney's office, sheriff's office, and the Baldwin County Judiciary. Now, the thing that people don't understand about Catalyst and also the power structure of Baldwin County is that Fairhope is the political base of Baldwin County, not Bay Manette. The money, the judges, Catalyst, and some of the worst cockroach attorneys in Alabama live in Fairhope. But you know what, Paul? What? Of all the sorry, fill-in-the-blank mm-hmm. adjectives, I'm I'm the one attorney in Alabama that must be searched when he goes in <laughs> And we'll get to that in a little while. Keep going. <laughs> the entire Fairhope Council has sworn alliance to Catalyst. The Fairhope Councilman Boone has been the official conduit to his son, feeding him information that has been used to obstruct was there, city business. Was there fire and a goat involved? I mean, you say they've sworn fealty or something. Well, I'm telling you, man, they're tight. You better pay attention. Uh, okay. This is a, These people are not in there looking after your interest. Uh, and they are planning to take over as far as Fairhope goes 2020 municipal election and remember the city attorney and municipal judge slash developer are appointed by catalyst which is the council also now we are in a uh, congressional race so you see catalyst emerge again this time the catalyst has uh, Mr. Hightower for the 1st Congressional District is who they are uh, supporting. And I'm just sure that catalyst is foaming at the mouth knowing that they might have a uh, congressman in their pocket. So be sure they're not catalyst is not your friends, people. Then on the county level, commissioners Joe Davis and Jeb Ball ran under the catalyst banner and true to form 
are now voting catalyst developers in catalyst developers favor just because they ran as a catalyst candidate doesn't mean they knew what catalyst was they did have a good rating okay i'm not so sure everybody that runs as a catalyst candidate is a catalyst kool-aid drinker Okay, well, let's say let's we'll talk about Mr. Davis and Jeb Ball, and uh, this is one of the things that uh, was just posted yesterday by a Mr. William Rambo, Rando, a very concerned citizen, and this is his quote: "This the this day this is a hearing on Savannah Estates on 54 East and 64 across from where they're constructing the new school." This is the second time that this has come before the commission, and I'm showing you how the commissioners voted. I'm trying to explain how Commissioner Davis and Commissioner Ball voted against the will of the people. They voted to keep this going. I also explained how Commissioner Davis at the end gave the contractors a thumbs up because he wants to hear more information and just come to the table the third time. This is three times now. The city and county engineers did not like the project from from the first time, nor did they like it the second time. That's why the commissioners voted no. This is the dirt pit where I have mentioned this has taken place. It's approximately going to have 392 houses. Of course, we all know what that is going to do to the community. I'm trying to get everybody to be aware of what is going on and get some help to stop this. I've also explained how nobody in the community gets notified about these projects and how people who live right across the street from the project have no idea what's going well, on. Well, that's I can tell you that's not true because they have they have to contact every adjacent property owner. Now, they might not be contiguous. If they're a contiguous property owner, even if they're across the street, they must contact them by registered mail and let them know about the meeting. Oh, well, that that is the rule, but I can tell you on past experience, that's one of the things they jerk you around on the most is notification. Um, or you go to the trouble of going to the meeting and it's been removed from the agenda, and the weekend you're correct. in Hawaii is when it comes up for a vote. I get it. Correct, correct. Anyway, uh, Mr. Rando has... Uh, you know, written letters to him and everything else. And uh, at the conclusion, there's a videotape of that too, but at the conclusion of the vote, um, uh, Joe Davis gave the developers a uh, thumbs up. And so they're going to come back the third time. How can they keep coming back? And also remember this, people, this is 392 houses, yet we still don't have a sewer system that's regulated and no one's addressing the sewer system at so, all. So, Paul, let me let me break it down for you. Um, now, Commissioner Underwood, who just was elected in 2018, right? Correct. Um, she was on the planning commission when uh, the previous commission voted to take away their subdivision regulation authority. The subdivision, mm-hmm. a, a preliminary plat no longer goes to the planning commission for approval. It goes from the engineer directly to the county commission, and they vote up or down. That's why they're that's why they're having to play tennis with these guys because the planning commission is not involved in the process, which I thought that they were going to be working to to rectify. Um, that's the reason that, uh, and, and, and to her credit, uh, Commissioner Underwood resigned from the planning commission, as, as did all of the planning commission members in protest when they did this. Well, the sewer thing should take priority over all of this. And also, if they come back, if they vote two times, 
uh, there should be a limit on how many times they can come back. And Well, if it's rejected, I don't think they can bring it back for six months. Right. I'm pretty sure that's how subdivision reg- regulations work here in Baltimore County. Well, you can see where uh, catalyst candidates are impacting your municipality, your county, and now your congressional race. And also in Fairhope, good catalyst move was it the ordinance for the 105 farmable acres in Fairhope that they paid $2.65 million. That has now passed, and they are going to rent it for $9,000 a year and declare it surplus and not needed for public or municipal purposes two weeks after paying, or a month after paying $2.65 million. That's a catalyst deal, people. You talking prisons or am I? I am. I want to go on to prisons. Yeah, let's go on to prisons. Uh, do we have an image? Did you find an image of home in prison? Well, all you got to do is it's the most fam- infamous prison in the world. Um, go One of them. Go Google it and check it out. <clears throat> well, Alabama's prison system is so notorious that it's uh, inspired a raft of anonymous descriptions. Each one more dreadful than the last. In one document alone, a Justice Department probe published last year, a casual reader would find the state's correctional facilities described as cruel, objective, unsafe, characterized by deplorable conditions that encourage deadly violence and rape. Now, one of the oldest and most notorious of these prisons, the William C. Holman Correctional Facility, is set largely to be decommissioned. Officials have transferred 600 inmates from the facility's general population and restrictive housing units to other facilities across the state. About 150 low-risk prisoners and scores of death row inmates are expected to remain at the uh, 51-year-old prison in Atmore. And the state has been under, you know, the Justice Department's eyes for... Uh, a decade. This has been going on and on. Now think about it. If we had a, if we had a uh, lottery, maybe we could put some money in the uh, in the prisons. Uh, there's also, if you're interested in reading about this, there's also a very good article in the uh, Press Register, uh, and that's by Mike Kaysen, uh Dangerous, cramped, and crumbling state partially shutting down home and prisons, 600 uh, inmates to be uh, transferred. And then it goes into a um, very long article that uh, will describe to you the conditions and so, how long this situation's been existing. So let me ask, Reigns, is calling a corrections officer a screw, a slur, or a slang? Uh, that's a... I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. If they say he's the but, toughest uh, screw to ever walk the halls of wherever home in prison it's, it's a bit of a slur i mean okay well i won't say that a, cor- jobs. a correction officer who wished cool. to remain anonymous um has said this is going to lead to a whole lot of violence moving these people from one, one prison to another you can just imagine the, the this gang has control of this prison and this gang in some amalgamation has the control of this one and we're going to take 600 prisoners and split them up and throw them into four other prisons. I, I, I see where he's coming from. He's like, he's, he's like it's going the first two weeks is going to be Thunderdome. <clears throat> well, uh, also, you know, previously when we spoke about this, and Lanyap has written many articles on the prisons too, that uh, one of the solutions is to have a, uh, a for-profit prison 
And the only way I can see a for-profit prison working is to have a lot more prisoners, which uh, doesn't necessarily make me feel safe. I wonder where they're going to get them all. <laughs> we may be next. So, yeah. Range, you can't – or I guess you can see us, can't you? Um, yeah. So, so the decanter of scotch is if we get through the 20th episode without uh, flashbangs through the windows and – you know what I mean? It's like, I, I can't believe we made it to number 20. Uh, if we get through it, we're going to toast. Uh, I hope you have one on your end. You got it. Um, so, uh, one of the, along with the prisons, one of the things I want to remind everybody, the A&E series 60 Days In is in Etowah County. This is week five or six, Nick. You know which? Five or six. You, aren't you watching it? You said you like that hot, blonde uh, police officer that's undercover. <laughs> Man, we get all it's a group text. There's no shame in it. Um, so uh, on the same lines of uh, of prisons and and uh, law enforcement, uh, the the young lady Dominique Marshall who was killed in front of a hundred witnesses um, down in uh, down at a house party um, in Central Ball when she's actually a, a Baymanette uh, girl, a young lady from here. I believe she had a two year old daughter. And still no arrests. Still no arrests. Um, we have a video. I want to set it up for you just a little bit. Um, last time when you crapped out range, I, I just had to briefly cover the red flag laws, um, which is why everybody was heading to Virginia to raise hell on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. Um, about the uh, so a red flag law. Just think of um, if you're familiar with the involuntary commitment process in the probate courts here in Bowen County. You file a petition saying someone's incompetent. It's a very similar. My understanding of it is that it is a very similar procedure. Someone makes a claim that you're mentally unstable, and a judge holds a hearing. At the end of that hearing, they issue a writ, and the writ is uh, this red flag writ where they come to your house and take your guns from you. And um, they, they did this in, uh, I believe it was Maryland, and this is from one of their local affiliates there. So run it for us, Nick, and um, when we come back, we'll give you a little bit of commentary on it. A deadly police-involved shooting in Anne Arundel County. It comes as officers try to enforce the state's new red flag law, potentially dangerous people with guns. WJZ is live at the scene in Ferndale. Kimberly Eaton with what police say happened. Kimberly. And Vic, earlier tonight, police left this Ferndale neighborhood nearly 12 hours after officers first showed up to remove guns from a home and ended up shooting and killing the gun owner. Flashing red and blue lights cut through the rain in this Ferndale neighborhood Monday afternoon. Police now guarding the street where their attempt to enforce the new red flag law turned fatal hours earlier. Around 5.15 in the morning, Anne Arundel County police say they came to a home on Linwood Avenue near Broadview Boulevard to take weapons from 60-year-old Gary Willis. They say two officers knocked on the door and Willis answered, armed with a handgun. Sergeant Jacqueline Davis says at first he put the gun down and stepped outside to talk with police. He was fine with the officers until they told him, hey, we're serving you with this order and this order orders us from the court to take your guns. At that point, she says Willis went for his gun. One of the officers tried to grab it out of his hand and Willis pulled the trigger. That bullet didn't hit anyone, but it prompted the other officer to open fire, shooting and killing the gun owner. It's a deadly beginning to a law that's barely a month old and that Anne Arundel County Police have only had to enforce nine times so far, following court orders to remove guns from owners who reportedly may be a danger to themselves or others. 
These are particularly dangerous because not only do we know there's weapons involved, um, we're also taking the weapons. In this case, it led to gunfire before dawn on this otherwise quiet street. Justin Ralston moved in down the block a year ago, now surprised to see a full-on investigation where neighbors tell him crime just doesn't happen. He lived for I don't know how many, 20-some years. He's never had anything stolen, you know. It's just quiet neighborhood and everything. And in this case, it's not clear who asked for the protective order to remove the weapon. For now, reporting live in Anne Arundel County, I'm Kimberly Eaton for WJZ. So my perspective on red flag laws or any other kind of laws of that nature, uh, I, I do see uh, the, I do see a, a, the intent of it. I don't think that we're ever going to see an adequate implementation. Um, if someone has a mental disease, then you need to go through the involuntary commitment process. Um, not this, not this rigmarole. Uh, and I, Paul, I know you, um, I can't remember the particular case, but I know that in two of these mass shootings, the, um, uh, the shooter involved either a parent, family member, or someone had called police many times, get involved. Can you take his guns away that he had the guns legally, uh, uh, evidently even licensed. And yet he's the one that turned up to, uh, be involved in a mass shooting. So, you know, I look at it as saying, well, wait a minute, man, you mean to tell me we got one chance here to where we can go over and to doubly be safe. We're going to go ahead and take his guns away or do something. I mean, maybe commit him to, but at least get the weapons out of his hands if uh, that's come to their attention. Well, well, what if you started? What if you started a podcast where you talked about cronyism and local government? And uh, the first thing that happens to you is they, the one of the people in cahoots revokes your security pass, and then um, your landlord evicts you, and then files a lawsuit against you. Um, do you you don't think that this is going to be abused just like any other? Um, law that's available to a select few to enforce it may be abused but if it stops one or two from walking into a school or a church and mowing down a dozen or two dozen people then i think it's uh worth the risk what about the three dozen people that are going to get killed every week when the cops show up to take their guns this is going to be one of those cases where harry and i are not it's going to be to i'm just telling you it's going to be there there are people in this world that you are not going to take their gun they don't give a damn what kind of piece of paper you have in your hand well i know that i know that but i mean i, I can see the which good is in it which and, of course is why we need to arm our law enforcement around here to the teeth and give them helicopters and bradley fighting vehicles and automatic weapons and shit you know, that helps a lot too um so let's switch nope. gears no, no, you gonna ahead. switch Go gears on that? Well, no, unless you, you want to jump in. out of it. No, we'll take. Come on, Reigns. I'll throw this out there right now. I'm a proponent of the Second Amendment. I always have been, and I'm just gonna throw this out there as easy as I can to incite a little political debate for our viewers and our listeners. You can't wave the Blue Lives Matter flag. And at the same time, oppose red flag laws. That's a fact. So make up your minds. Do you want to support law enforcement? Or do you want to support mentally unstable people 
being allowed to own handguns and guns all over the place and not have any kind of police power for anyone to do anything about that. It's you a, do that at the same time? It's a really, it's a really, oh slip, it's a really slippery way for you and Paul to get your way. Is all in the hell it is. And you, I, I, I understand your good intention in there. Let me tell you what would happen if I had a kid and the son of a bitch had an AR-15. I'd go in there and whip his ass and take it away from him. And I'd say, this is going in the safe. I wouldn't have to call the law. Okay, well, here that you. raises another point. You know, we could call up and say, well, you know, it's the it's the parents' fault. Well, Prob- who's going to enforce probably. that? Nobody in this country enforces anything about parent responsibilities as far as their kid goes. Right. I mean, who's going to do something about that? No one. I don't so know, but I I'll say- guarantee you, you don't want the sheriff of Baldwin County enforcing this law. Or being able to say, well, we ran into Jim Bob, whoever, and uh, he he seems to be going through a rough patch. You know, he and his wife and all this, we, we might need to file a writ for a red flag law. Because you got to remember, our sheriff opposed the change to the concealed carry law. It changed from may issue to shall issue. And he opposed the heck out of that. Same sheriff that was eavesdropping on everybody in the courthouse. But, you know, but I can't take, but you can't take a, Joe Blow can't take his, uh, any kind of recording device in there. It just doesn't make any sense, man. strike down or attempt to strike down a reasonable attempt at public safety through regulation because you think that that law may be abused at some point. I know it's going to be abused. They would have abused it on me if it were available. I promise you they would I can have. understand that, and I can understand your sentiment. But at the, using that rationale, you may not stand up and say, I want to do everything I can to prevent school shootings, to prevent mass shootings. We had a mass shooting at my college two days ago. I know. A mass yeah. shooting. Oh, in- yeah. So Thank I saw you your Twitter feed. Tell, tell me what happened. I, I saw your Twitter feed of the kids coming out with their hands up and everybody's hand on each other's back and all that. Yeah, someone called an active shooter report at my college at the at the at the community college I attend. Well, that's someone just... called it in. Thankfully, there wasn't an active shooter, but the law enforcement response was was quick and accurate and precise at the same time, and was very well executed. But I'm going to tell you what: you can't sit there and say I want to do everything I can to prevent active shooters in this country. And at the same time say, well, you know, I, I, I got to oppose red flag laws, though. That's the problem with the mentality of people who are vehemently for the gun lobby in the United States of America. Well, I'm not for the I'm not for the gun lobby. I'm just for the for the Second Amendment. And I don't give and I don't and I and, and I'll play the the Hitchens thing for you, too, just like I did for Mayor Wills. It's my opinion, and you can kiss my ass. Uh, you know, and it's an informed opinion. The point is, is that you cannot politically wave the same two flags. It's just not done. And don't, and I will spite anybody that does that. Well, you if you want to stop school shootings, talk to the Israelis. Go against a law that directly affects public safety. Uh, well, I'm. I totally, I totally agree. Uh, totally disagree with you, Rain. All right, well, we're going. I think if everybody's walking around with six shooters on them, we'd have a hell of a lot more polite society. Well, you know, here's, I'm jumping into Lanyap a little bit, our Lanyap review here a little bit earlier, but one of the articles in uh, Lanyap this week is, is this unusual? 
Yes, MCSO, Mobile County Sheriff's Office investigates the fourth officer-involved shooting in two months. Uh, this is Sam Cochran, uh, and, he, and he stressed that most of or all of these suspects were mentally ill. And that right now, the Sheriff's Department, for several years, is handling about about 20% of the population of Mobile County Metro Jail has been treated with some sort of psychotropic substance. Uh, And mental health uh, officials now are trying to come up with some other plan to take the mental health issue out of the out of the uh, jails uh, during the presentation to the um, legislators last week, Alabama Department of Mental Health Commissioner Lynn Besshar asked for an additional eighteen million to set up a crisis service center in the state that would provide po- uh, police with the alternative to jailing the mentally ill when they're picked up for petty crimes. Uh, as for the deputies who have been, they've all been placed on leave. And, you know, I have to sympathize with the police tremendously in the fact that uh, they're dealing with uh, mentally ill individuals. They're not rational, uh, not like, you know, maybe you can talk down a certain individual. Somebody mentally ill leaves you no opportunity but have to shoot them. I can assure you that that police officer lives with that the rest of his life. I agree. I mean, it's a terrible thing for, to, to ask these men to go execute a, a writ like that or having to deal with people who are mentally ill, who are obviously mentally ill and should be in an institution, right? right. And that's our failing. That's the No, it's, failing. The, it's our legislators failing Correct. for letting Governor Bentley talk you into closing all our mental health facilities. You know, only a doctor could have talked us into this crap, right? Yeah. I mean, if it had been some lawyer or somebody else, we'd have said, oh, this guy's full of crap. Uh, Touchy-feely, doctor. <laughs> Little boot. So they made a they made a special uh, beer for him at one of these microbrews. It was called the Little Blue Pilsner. Did y'all see that one? The Love Gov Little Blue Pilsner. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right. Yeah. Um, so do, do we want to switch gears and talk about our ill-fated attempt to talk to the North Bowen Utility Board? Uh, you heard a you heard a little excerpt from it in the beginning. Uh, that was that was before we got started. Oh right, from the we, mayor. It was uh, it was a public meeting, and um, most of the gentlemen there were pretty cordial. But the uh, mayor of Baymanet uh, went to calling names almost right. Well, no, away first and- he told us we weren't we weren't welcome to sit at the conference table, <laughs> which seats forty. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, well, that too. And, but, you know, I always learn that when politicians start harping, it's the bit dog barks first. And that's Mr. Will's uh, defense is uh, to call somebody else names and not to answer the questions directly. But we'll follow up with a complaint and see if he'll answer well, and, it that and way. And so what other choice do we have? None. I mean, they, they won't answer questions. The city attorney, if you'll recall, when I went to the council meeting, just simply to ask them, uh, if they had a public safety subcommittee of the city council that I'd like to talk to them about surveillance and uh, any number of other issues that had been brought to my attention. And I asked each of the council members and the mayor the same question. None of them would answer. And I got around to the city attorney who told me 
that he had been instructed not to respond to me, only to the mayor and council. So if you, you know, it, I kind of feel like you, Paul, uh, if I didn't get, uh, if I don't have a right to uh, redress of my grievances, I mean, they can sit there and give me two minutes on the microphone and then hit the buzzer. But uh, if they refuse to answer my questions, um, it doesn't sound like an open meeting to well, me. Well, it should tell you something, too, that when um, a municipality like Bamanette, uh, city government does not even have a freedom of information form for a, a FOIA request we had to, form. We had to create one. They didn't even have a FOIA request form. In fact, didn't even know what I was talking about in the beginning. You can be sure that the town has been run much the same way as uh, Fairhope had been run in the past uh, by the seat of their pants day to day. So I don't want to, uh, I don't like to, I don't like being teased either. If you want to hear the entirety of our interaction at the North Pawn Utility Board meeting, we'll have the audio up on our Facebook page. And we'll have the complaint later. Uh, yeah, and um, I have a, so just say, so it, it's not one complaint against one person, but because there's so many, so uh, instead of going exhibit one, exhibit two, exhibit three, I went exhibit A, B, C. It's all the way through exhibit O right now. Um, so all that will be bound, and then we will do a cover complaint for the appropriate, whether it's going to the attorney general, the uh, state bar, the the ethics commission, or the judicial uh, inquiry commission. Right. So once we get all those together, we're going to put all the exhibits on the Facebook page in one album, and then quite separately just the. A, a copy of and of course we'll be talking about it next time 21 will actually going to read you the complaint probably going to bore you bore you to death paul's going to do it in a in a speedo or something to keep your attention <laughs> um yeah i know nobody's going to want to watch it uh, maybe nick maybe it'll be nick's first day on on the uh in front of the camera um uh, paul it seems like we had another so Rains, whenever the damn Chinese tell me a hundred people died from a virus, I multiply it by ten thousand. <laughs> right? That's pretty close. So here's what's scary to me. All these idiots in Hong Kong fighting for the rights, they go down there and set up a building to be quarantined and they firebomb the bastard. Are they stupid? Or they just think it's like a conspiracy to get them all in there and make them sick? And what's well, going on with the pandemic? Uh, uh, CDC says one thing, and uh, I tell you what, let's watch. We so the University of Alabama at Birmingham, which believe it or not, for anybody who's not in Alabama, is like one of the best damn hospitals in the world. And the um, Veterans Hospital there is number one in the United States too. So um, this is what they said about it. Go ahead and roll it for us, Nick. As concerns grow for the new coronavirus all over the world, doctors at UAB say they're monitoring the situation closely. We are now um, officially well over 8,000 cases worldwide with over 170 deaths. The majority of those cases remain in China. Today, the World Health Organization declared the new coronavirus outbreak a global public health emergency. UAB tells us it's a label that's only been used a handful of times. In the U.S., six confirmed cases of this new coronavirus. 
But here in Alabama... We've not had anyone to fit the case definition in Alabama. Um, hard to say if that will continue to be the case, um, but we will be monitoring that very closely. Symptoms include fever and chills. Still, doctors say... If you have those symptoms and you haven't traveled to China, most likely it's going to be one of our common respiratory viruses that we see here. Dr. Jeannie Morazzo is part of a team hoping to study an experimental vaccine for this virus. But experts say the risk for Alabamians right now is low. However, they want people to prepare for other illnesses today. Not to push too hard on the flu, but um, I think that's the thing that people really should should be concerned about and be, be mindful of. In Birmingham, Mary O'Connell, WVTM 13. Give me a countdown. And we're back. So, uh, Paul, why don't you give us a rundown of uh, your Lanyap report? All right, Lanyap in review, of course and, we... And also Gulf Coast newspapers and potentially even some AL.com. Well, we have, the AL.com was on the prisons, and um, Lanyap this week uh, has got a great article in the uh, center cover, is uh, Gone to the Dogs, Man's Best Friend uh, by Jason Johnson. You want to read something that's not political and doesn't upset you, this is a pretty warm and fuzzy uh, article. And in the letters to the editor, always curious about letters to the editor, well, this week the impeachment is quite familiar and it's wrong. This was written by Stephen Nodine. Um, hey, Reigns. Uh, yeah. Steve Nodine was the county commissioner who allegedly, who, who, was conv who was prosecuted and found not guilty of shooting his uh, his the lady he was having an affair with who lived in Gulf Shores in the head and then driving away and changing clothes and going home to his wife. Yeah, this was Angel Downs in 2010. But the letter that he submitted uh, goes on to compare his ordeal with that of the President of the United States in the impeachment case, and I thought that was a real stretch there, Steve. But uh, anyway, if you should read it and... Uh, Mr. Nodine's a former Mobile County Commissioner and City Council member from Mobile, Alabama. He is a U.S. Army veteran and currently residing in Mobile. He is also the founder of the Facebook.com site, Former Felons for Trump 2020. <laughs> so if you're a former felon and you're for Trump, this is your man. <laughs> uh, hey, can I do one? Yeah. All right. Uh, so... Greeno Road in Fairhope. Do we oh, have a yeah. map of that? Oh, yeah. They've been talking this for 15, 20 years. Okay. So instead of doing an overlay district for the entirety of Greeno Road, seven and a half miles of Greeno Road, what they're doing is they're going to the intersections and they're drawing a circle around it and they're saying anything inside this 400 or 4,000 foot circle has to conform to these regulations. And as you get further from the intersection, so so you are further from the regulation. Um, it sounds like a pretty decent idea. That I, I watched the planning commission meeting when when the staff tried to explain it to the planning commission, and it was like trying to teach a caveman how to use this thing. I mean, it was they were they were sitting there shaking their head. Now, now explain it to me again. So some of it is form-based code. Some of it is use, rest use restriction inside that uh, that radius there. 
um, is fairly complicated. This is their first stab, and I'm fairly sure that maybe two or three members of the planning commission actually got what the guy was talking about. Oh, right. But the one thing I will tell you about uh, with the planning commission there in Fairhope, and we have had uh, two or three previous to this that left a lot to be desired. Uh, when it comes to that overlay, the one thing I was impressed with was uh, planning and zoning city member. The staff of planning and zoning made it perfectly clear to the audience that they would answer their questions. They would come back and discuss it further. And if there was an overwhelming resistance to a particular thing, they would try to work through it. And they've had uh, meeting after meeting trying to get this resolved. This is something that's been going on for uh, 20 years. I mean, as long as I've been here, I, they've been talking about Greeno Road. And, and also, uh, I can see that because uh, Fairhope has got a quaint downtown area. The major corridor going through there is Greeno Road. So the last thing you want to do is get it neon signed up. But also, you have to pay attention to the property owners and make sure they're treated equitably as well. One, one more thing on zoning in Fairhope, and I don't know, did you watch the Industrial Development Board meeting this morning? Uh, I watched it, uh, I watched it the other night. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're considering, so if you know where the Fairhope Brewery is on, in that area right there, um, that's one of the last few places where light, uh, light manufacturing or M1, I think it's their M1 zoning is Correct. what it's called. Correct. And um, they've got someone who's wanting to go in there and do a multi-use. They want it rezoned to B2. The Industrial Development Board's been real protective of the last little bit of uh, industrial pro industrially zoned property in town. And um, I don't know what the, did they vote, did, did they tell the, the planning commission that they were not in favor of it. Uh, I, th I I don't know that they acted on it. I think it I don't was think more, it, I, I thought it was more of a discussion more myself. Of a, more of a discussion, uh, and I'm hoping that the uh, board members dig in deep to make sure everything is legit on what's being proposed there. When they come up with wanting to change zoning, they have zoning and then they change zoning. Then they have the zoning change and then they want to change it again. Well, what you know. Sooner or later, you need to stick with what you've got. All right, get on to another one. Uh, well, the next thing is, again, uh, Lanyap, uh, another scheduled delay by the uh, city council in uh, Mobile on the Amtrak train that goes from, will be going twice a day from uh, Mobile to New Orleans. I don't know if any of you have ever ridden on the train. I used to ride it from Birmingham to New Orleans when I was going to uh, living in Belize. And I can tell you, I had some very, very enjoyable trips going to and from on that train. Heck yeah. And who wouldn't want to get on the train in Mobile and drink all the way down to New Orleans for Mardi Gras? Uh, well, the council president, uh, LeVon Manzi, uh, publicly said that he supports the return of the passenger rail service and said that all modes of public transportation are subsidized by taxpayers, whether it's roads for uh, vehicles, airports or commercial aircraft, buses or trains. And that, that seems to be the major sticking point with the um, county commission that they're not wanting to, you know, subsidize it. However, they should think about that white elephant they have out there, the uh, 
a maritime museum, which would make a great casino, uh, but the Amtrak train would be easier to do, you know. Anyway, during the 10-month period in 1996 and 1997, I thought this was pretty interesting, 34,117 riders took a Gulf Coast limited train. Yep, I took it. Oh, uh, and with the area's increase in population, McNair argued the numbers uh, now should be much greater. So, uh, if you're in who, for the who, train, who was their source for? Because I almost ran off the damn road. I was listening to National Public Radio the other morning, driving to up to Shelby County for court, and a uh, guy Busby. You know guy, right, right? Right. So who do you think he is interviewing on behalf of Alabama Public Radio regarding the Amtrak train? No idea. Wiley Blankenship. Now, what <laughs> in the hell does that guy know about anything? <laughs> I mean, go talk to the mayor. Go talk to a decision maker. Oh, no, let's uh, – well, Wiley ain't doing nothing. Let's call him and see if we can get it. I mean, why not call Paul Ripp? No, he what, knows much about – What's going to happen is Wiley Blankenship. And, and what's Wiley's position? He's with the Coastal Alabama Partnership, the 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 group that was created to make sure that all of the uh, BP money stayed in Ball and Mobile counties. So oh, since he oh. since that went up in a, a <laughs> dumpster fire, oh. um, we kept him around to run our coastal. Uh, what is it? He does a uh, regional leadership program. I don't know. Well, I, it, look, it's a. The reason that he's still around is it's a way for local businesses who are typically just chamber members and don't really belong to a lobbying group. It's a way for them to give money to legislatures, legislators, and other elected officials through CAP. Well, That's the only reason it's still around. Well, one and, I, thing, and I don't care what anybody says. One thing's for sure is the BP money. Uh, the BP money was... Um, horribly horribly misrepresented uh, most of it went to uh, north alabama uh, our legislative delegation in mobile and baldwin county failed dropped the ball except for boom boom pippen our past uh, senator there who got seven hundred fifty thousand. he got his take on it but the bp thing uh, uh was that a did you say allegedly no, no, no. He did. No, he That's did. Verified. He did. He he was the first so, person all right, in the so, state so, of Alabama. So Reigns doesn't know the backstory. Oh my God, that take a week. Back in the day, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Back in the day, when the BP oil spill happened, the the state of Alabama appropriated some emergency funds to be spent on things like putting oil boom out, paying guys to go out and look for oil, make sure you know any number of things. So guess who was put in charge of the money? As a trustee, Senator Pittman. So then guess what happens next? He gets a no-bid contract with the city of Fairhope to put out all boom. He personally, his business does. Yeah, no-bid yeah. contract. And this was after this was after the So county. if you ever hear Paul say, boom, boom, Pittman, that's why he's <laughs> saying boom, boom, because of the oil boom. And it turns out it was like some ratty-ass stuff that they, you know, everybody else in the world had bought all the oil boom in the world. So he goes and gets this stuff out of the hull of an old steamer. So I, I don't know where it came from. It's my understanding that it was not up to to the job. And uh, didn't we hear from a friend of ours that, that fishes a lot, that all those cinder blocks they tied that off with are 
still out there on the bottom of the bay. Rains. What they what they the the final conclusion of this was after Pittman got this job and everything, they made these crude anchors, which were. Oh, my God, they looked like they were 200 pounds, maybe four foot. We're talking about very, very heavy, nasty-looking homemade anchors, and they had to weight down the boom on either end. So they had God knows how many of these going all the way from Fairhope to Point Clear. So the contract called for the removal of all of the boom, the rope, the chain, and the anchors. Well, unbeknownst to everybody, Mayor Kant of Fairhope and... Trip Pittman decided, well, that's going to be way too damn expensive to pick up all those anchors. They went out there and cut them all free and left yep. them in the bay. And I mean, nobody... it's just a big ass inert landfill anyway, Rains. There's nothing but concrete and metal. What's the big deal? It'll nope. be an oyster reef one day. <clears throat> and no one, none of, none of the environmental groups, no one, um, no one said anything. Everyone just, uh, you know, just turn a blind eye to it. I want to. I want to digress for a minute. I want to play this one more time, and then I'm going to prove this man wrong. To any animus that's directed against you, uh, you have no good purpose in any of the things you're doing, other than to muck rake around, and everybody knows it. So instead of muck raking, I have decided to do a public service announcement. <laughs> Monroeville, Alabama is having a literacy festival March 5th through 7th, an event for all ages. There are free workshops, book signing, children's authors, free movie night, music tours, festival, and and celebrating the literary capital of Alabama, which, of course, is the home of Truman Capote and, come on, Paul, Harper Lee. Harper Lee. Kill a Mockingbird. So... Um, with, uh, anyway, there are four or five authors who are slated to be there. Um, I'm definitely going to make it and it is at the, uh, coastal Alabama community college up there. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Go to www.monroevilleliteracyfestival.com. <clears throat> sounds like having a, a literacy festival in Mobile, Alabama is like having a sobriety festival in New Orleans. Y'all have fun with that. There are lots of people who can read in Monroeville. I've been there. <clears throat> More so than down here, I think, sometimes. <laughs> I'm done. All right. You, you, well, you the last, last article uh, also came out of um, uh, Lanyap. Uh, this one's by Gabe Times. The Eastern Shore Metropolitan Planning Association uh, organization approved a resolution January 22nd endorsing the scope of a new scale-back proposal for an Interstate 10 bridge on an expressway over the Mobile River. The $1.22 billion plan is 42% less expensive than the proposal uh, that was defeated last August when it was voted... Uh, to admit from the Alabama Department of Transportation, uh, which their first plan was $2.1 billion, and, you know, they wanted to stick us with a uh, uh, $6 toll, uh, which led uh, State Auditor Jim Ziegler, who is the administrator of a Facebook page called Block the Mobile Bay Toll. It has 54,000 um, members. Uh, Mr. Ziegler... Um, embrace this plan uh now we'll have to see if the 54,000 members that signed up for the first that posed the first plan are willing to go along with it however the mobile 
uh, MPO, unlike uh, the Eastern Shore counterpart members of the Mobile MPO, did not take action January 22nd, but heard about the new proposal in a presentation from Daphne businessman Kevin Spriggs. Um, they did not call for a vote on the expressway plan during the meeting downtown, uh, but later uh, for a replacement to be considered, this is uh, Mr. Carl, Jerry Carl. He's running for the 1st Congressional District. He is not a Catalyst candidate, uh, but he said that uh, the, for the replacement to be considered, it'll need to be added to the TIP, and Governor Ivory will need to endorse it, according to the Mobile County Commissioner, Jerry Carl. Carl, who has a seat on the MPO board, added it's still very, very early in the process to move too quickly. We're still trying to get everyone to agree on the basics. And I think we're very close, uh, Carl said. Um, certainly, everybody agrees we need to do something about coming across the bay. Uh, I'm just a little bit skeptical that they came up with a plan so quick that was exactly half of what it, you know, or pretty close to half of what it was. Um, however, this is... Uh, uh, being brought up by citizens, which I uh, do approve of. I think more citizens should be uh, involved, and Mr. Spriggs certainly has come to the table with a plan that should be considered. So we'll see where it uh, we'll see where it goes. All right. So I got I got a new nickname. All right. We're gonna hang on somebody. You I know, thought you were the mud racker. I'm, I'm the mud racker. I'm hanging this on somebody. Oh, okay. So um, so, um, so uh, you ever seen a picture of so? So anyway, this is not funny, but uh, Ed Bosch passed this week. Um, he 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 was uh, uh, an elected official here in, in a super. Anybody who didn't know Mr. Bosch, you, you really lost out. You missed out on on uh, knowing a, a really a really good man. Um, his daughter is one of our. Uh, uh, she's our uh, juvenile judge. And uh, also one of our circuit judges, and uh, anyway, State Auditor Ziegler was there at the um, uh, visitation, and the more I looked at him, the more I decided that hog jaws. You ever seen anybody with those yeah. parts of their face right here that's exaggerated? Um, hog jaws. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna stick. <laughs> that's whatever hog jaw Ziegler. And, you know, Ziggler, don't they make hot dogs and things like that anyway? Maybe that's where that came from. Uh, yeah. I don't think the They make bolognese and hot dogs. I, I think it's spelled different. I don't but. think the auditor does. <laughs> you don't think he? No. Uh, uh-huh. He's making something. He he sure is not in his office a whole heck of a lot. Let's just put it that way. He's supposed to be sitting up there auditing all day. Well, one But thing. I like him. He's a, very, he's, a, he's a gracious man. Um, you know, just because he's outraged by things doesn't mean he's off his rocker. Uh, yeah. And, you can and, be. Uh, you know, um, I certainly don't give him all of the credit for the 54,000 names. Baldwin County Citizens for Accountability certainly stepped up with their website. Uh, I mean, their Facebook pages, and so did we. We were very opposed to the 6%. It just happened to be one of those things that, you know, just inflame people that we were going to have to pay for the transportation of other people when we're using it every day the way that we have to. It's just uh, unfair, and uh, it's a federal highway. I don't think there's another toll road from Jacksonville, Florida, to California. So, 
you know, hopefully they do come up with a plan. Well, I'm done, Paul, at least for today. Now, you can't drink this while we're on the air, but you should, we should definitely toast. Uh, and, uh, uh, man, I just, that's some fine scotch. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, you know, talking about that uh, family court thing and uh, Catalyst today, do you know who Catalyst very first client was on an official basis? I, I have no idea. Judge Michelle Thomason. And anybody that's had to run in with Judge Michelle Thomason would absolutely agree that she's a perfect Catalyst candidate. No comment. <laughs> All right. We'll leave it at that then. And um, <coughs> j- just so you know, if we get 100 people that tell us they want this daggum T-shirt, we'll certainly produce it and sell it to you for cost. Um, Reigns, we are now on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Facebook, and YouTube. And I think we have an Instagram account and a Twitter account, but I don't know that anybody's really been tending to it like we should. Um, you, everyone should go like and subscribe. Uh, Backstory Podcast is a production of Backwoods Media LLC. We've relocated our office to Daphne, Alabama, and encourage you to come by and see us uh, at your leisure. Paul, do you have anything else? Yeah, last thing I want to say is that, uh, you know, the RIP Report is a nonprofit uh, consumer association, and we look into, you know, political corruption is the main thing that we do look at. And we're more than willing to take the criticism from um, politicians when we focus on them. And that's what we're going to be doing. Any of you that have any information you can send us that you want us to cover, we'll be happy to do it. We don't deliberately go out and try to, you know, defame or slander somebody. We're reporting the news as we see it and as you may not see it. The only other thing I wanted to say was that we need to give Paul Rip props because he prognosticated the last time we were on here that the McSherry case would get dangling around with again and would not go forward on monday and it was in fact continued again um so join the conspiracy this Get is your t-shirt this is a this is a an assault case ladies and gentlemen a common if there is common assault case that now has taken we're going into 16 months for an assault case to be uh settled all right, guys, we got to get back to this impeachment stuff. I know Reigns is keeping everybody up to, up to date on everything going on on Twitter. Um, we will be back next week from Daphne. I hope you guys like my study. This is where all the research and magic happens. And um, we set up in here because we didn't have to move any furniture around. Uh, I'm, Harry Steele, Esquire, putting the stud back in study. All there you go. Year. There you go. <laughs> all right, boys and girls. Well, I hope you all learned something and, and had a good time. And we will see you next time. Have a good weekend. I mean, that's...